the Dream 3 Podcast, episode 34 with our friend D. Bland, Dujane Bland, at NotBland21. Neil can't make it today, but we're talking the NFL draft, the USFL, and hey, maybe even some NHRA. Let's get after it. We're back at it with episode 34. Dujane, thank you for coming on. So last minute, you know, it's NFL draft time. We love talking about football. You are our football, our connection to football. Neil can't make it tonight due to work. But, hey, we have a lot to talk about in a full realm of sports. I know normally we are a sports card show, but this would be a good opportunity for us to kind of branch out for for that. Um, Obviously, let's kind of start off a little off topic of something that we don't cover a lot of. NHRA Houston was this past weekend, the final event at Houston Raceway Park in Baytown, Texas, uh, a staple in the NHRA schedule for the last 36 years. Um, The final event, as I wouldn't say as rumored, but there were some hints that, you know, maybe something could be happening um, to keep it as being a close friend of the family. I don't see that happening. Maybe some rumors of something else happening. Um, But your thoughts on on Houston, what it's been like you know, the past 36 years is a staple for NHRA. Um, and it's going to hurt missing that track. What are your thoughts on that? It is. There's a lot of history in that track. Um, you know, just so much. And it usually always is a great turnout. So it's probably one of their better tracks as far as fan participation. Um, this weekend was epic, though. Uh, the way it finished, um, you know, with Camry Caruso and Erica Enders in the final, uh, you got Brittany you know, doing her thing and, um, you know, Bobby Bodie <laughs> getting to the final and, uh, you know, he blew it up, but man, he put on performance, uh, this weekend as well. Uh, you look at the rivalry between, uh, Matt Smith and Steve Johnson. Um, they couldn't have written it any better. Um, the only thing I will say is, is that I wish that fans, I feel like sometimes NHRA fans are fickle and, you know, we kind of get in the lull or those fans kind of get in the lull of the event will always be here. I wish the fans would treat it every event as if it could be the last one. Uh, as we're seeing, there's, you know, money talks, unfortunately. And and as we're seeing things happen and they lose, they, you know, they lose a few tracks. Now, obviously, you lose some, some come, you know, new ones come. But still, uh, this this one stings a little bit because of the history. It's like losing Gainesville. Agreed. And, and, you know, we are losing tracks. We're losing Phoenix at the end of next year. We lose Baytown this year. Um, Losing West Palm beach international. Um, You know, like you said, money talks, a lot of these big companies and big corporations are coming by and you're right with the NHRA fans. It's like, you want to throw it on NHRA and blame it on them, but you know, I'm personal friends with the Angel family. And, you know, if someone came and gave you X amount of millions for your property in cash, like it's a tough business decision because you've put 36 years of hard work into this. You know, everybody dreams of building their own business and then one day selling it and selling it for for a massive amount of profit. And I think that's this time now, you know, just like NHRA needs to 
to step. I wouldn't say they need to step up, but we're always looking for that next crop of drivers, that next crop of young talent. Where's the next crop of, of track owners? Who's the next big promoter? Who's the next Bill Bader? Who's the next, you know, we've heard rumblings of doing a drag strip at Circus of America, Circuit of America in Austin. Um, you got to think about most of these tracks were built in the 60s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, and they're kind of outgrown themselves. Pomona, the biggest example, downtown LA, shortest shutoff on the track, literally surrounded by neighborhoods, kind of seemingly the same fate. If it wasn't like on NHRA, you know, the, the museum property, I feel like it could have the same. Uh, ending as let's say an english town when i started yeah. to go to english town remember it's a, it's in the middle of a neighborhood and you know <laughs> it how is. It, you knew how historic english town new jersey was <clears throat> but that shows that you know the more development that is going on the more tracks are going to get pushed out and those landowners are going to start taking the money now we have to figure out a solution of how can we combine this? Like, let's look at Las Vegas, for example. You have the NASCAR track and the drag strip almost as one right across the street from each other. Charlotte, the yeah. same way. Think of um, Brut any Bruton Smith track, Bristol. They're, they're so close together. Absolutely. Now you think of tracks like Topeka, Baytown. Gainesville kind of stands alone because it's out in the middle of nowhere. But It is the bigger you can put it next to something, it, it makes it a multifaceted complex. You got to think of the, everything yeah. like a complex now, a dirt track, an oval track, a drag strip, a drift track, something that can be multifaceted where it's not just Maple Grove. It's not just a track out in the middle of a cornfield. Right. And I mean, look at what, uh, look at what the Texas Motorplex has done as far as, uh, you know, they've had live acts there. Um, they've brought some events, you know, some other events like Funny Car Chaos and other things, but they've also brought live acts in to kind of help supplement that. And that draws people in. I'm not saying you got to go gimmicky, but I, I do I do agree with you. You know, the days of having a track out in the middle of nowhere, um, you know, especially when you see cities that have kind of bulged out and kind of covered these tracks. Um you know, it doesn't really work. And if you're able to use it as a, a venue that can be used for multiple things, it, you know, you kind of get more bang for your buck in that regard. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we get some new people with some new ideas. It was great to see Kenny Koretsky and the Koretsky family stepping up and buying Maple Grove. It's always great to have racers owning race tracks. Absolutely. Um, the Franklin family who owns uh, Virginia Motorsports Park. Um, they do a great job. I, I'm wishing, and I think we can all agree on this. NHRA is one of their biggest fault is the great promotion. There's not a great promoter. Um, the biggest thing that I have a problem with is the promotion of the sport is the explosions is when things go bad. Yeah. And, and there's so many other things to to promote the sport you know family friendly kids under 12 free every general mission tickets a pit pass but the explosions the stuff like that it's part of it yes but it's not how you promote the sport you think of bill bader 
Bill Bader is probably one of the greatest track promoters of all time. The fireworks that, especially for Night Under Fire, the greatest one night drag racing event of all time. If you've never been to Norwalk, Ohio for Night Under Fire, August 6th, we will be there. Um, it, it's amazing. Fireworks across the track. Uh, everybody's wearing tuxedos down on the starting line. You know, they're not just racing, you know, funny cars and dragsters, but donks and willies and all kinds of like make it a show. Cause remember it's, we are racing as competition, but why did people pay money? They want to be entertained. Exactly. So how can we entertain them? Well, I think they're missing uh, mm-hmm. an opportunity uh, right now. I mean, you, you've got one of the, the biggest, you know, biggest names out of NASCAR owning a team in your sport. Um, I think you got to do more than just talk to them every race. Um, you know, now that they're, they've won two races with Matt Hagen. And I mean, we understand the dynamics there, but um, he was smart enough. And along with Matt Hagen um, and, and, you know, uh, his really prowess of, you know, being there for his guys, having all of his guys come over and, and have this thing roll the way it has. Um, I think they could do more with that. Um, but you got to step into the 21st century. <laughs> I mean, you know, we're kind of stuck back. You know, when I was a kid in the 80s, like I still think we kind of are stuck in that reminiscent stage. And although we are thinking about all these new drivers, but as a sport in the promotion side of it hasn't moved forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I think I think it also helps if you stop. I think it's a good thing or would be a good thing if they would stop doubling tracks. And this is the reason why. Um, let's say. Let's say you have a, a venue, um, and I'll use my home track, uh, Maryland International Raceway, MIR over there at Bud's Creek. Um, they used to run IHRA events. Um, if you if you popped in there and put on a show at a, at a racetrack like that, I don't know what it takes to get that type of stuff done, but you also grab a new you know, set of fans. You have a big turnout. Um, sometimes doubling up at some of these places, some people may not come for one of the events because they're not interested in doing it twice. Hmm. So, you know, and then it's in a obscure area. So it's not easily traveled for people who live abroad, you know, outside of that area. So you, you don't always get the big turnouts. Um, you know, I, I, I don't not say it, like I said, I'm not saying get gimmicky, but, you got, you know, like the NBA, for instance, when they moved a couple teams into some markets that were not mar- like Oklahoma City, you've got to test these markets. And I'm not saying wherever these tracks are. I mean, I, I don't know about, you know, I like Valdosta a lot, you know, but I, I don't know about uh, as far as the shutdown, if that would be conducive. Um, obviously, when you look at the facility, it has a big parking area. Um, stands they'd have to upgrade on on visitor side uh you know um so you know there's some logistics but trying some new areas um that that actually have some decent shutdown areas i like i said my home track at bud's creek is one of them i think uh they used to run ihra so i i think if you do that you grab a new fan base you start building that interest and uh, we all know once you go out one time and you smell this stuff, you're hooked forever. So yeah. uh, it's not very hard. But like you said, I, I I think the days of, you know, we're supposed to be promoting safety, but yet we kind of promote 
the explosions. Um, you know, there's so much more to it. And we saw that this weekend with just the tuning aspect of things, uh, how close things were, uh, the ability of these drivers having to pedal these cars uh, at a at a blink of an eye to get them to recover. And, and there's a technique to that. But to watch that and to watch guys win that way, there's so much more to what's going on out there on the track. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree with you on the doubling of the track. Biggest examples, look at Charlotte. You know, we go to Charlotte twice. We have the four wide in the spring and the and the nationals in the fall. Um, and either one of those is terribly attended. Reason being, you just think of Charlotte. How many NASCAR races there? How many dirt track races are there? And and there's they're just so inundated with racing, it's just like you can't keep up. Right. So it's not even a bad idea that, you know, let's say you go, you know, one Vegas, one Charlotte. We're not doubling tracks, but maybe there's a certain couple of tracks where you have, let's say, an NFL draft or you have a uh, NBA draft selection, the ping pong roller. Say, hey, Maryland International Raceway gets it this year. Uh, US 131 gets it this year. Tulsa gets it, you know, this year and have a draft that way. Um, you know, draw up some interest, thinking some other things. You know, I've brought some, some uh, ideas to NHRA of, you know, NASCAR once had a Bellator MMA event inside the fan area of of the track and held an event right after a NASCAR race or right after qualifying, something like that. And I brought this idea to them and in one ear, out the other. Let AEW come out there and set up a ring and let them go at it at the track. I mean, they're willing to do that. I mean, we've seen what AEW's done. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd be willing to come out there and do that. Uh, not only it's a good promotion for them, but hey, there's plenty, there's plenty of drag racing fans that are wrestling fans. Yeah, what uh, Tony P was telling me one year that Oscar De La Hoya and Golden Boy had a ring out in the staging lanes of Las Vegas, and there were guys out there sparring uh, during the races. So, you know, you got to think of different ways, especially in the markets that you're in, to get people engaged. Like. I think you also made a good point of NHRA is very nostalgic. Like we hold guys like Perdome, guys like Amato up on these pedestals, guys like Sagrini, and we forget where it's like WWE. Would you rather see a veteran from the 80s and 70s get a push? Or are you trying to bring up the new talent now? I understand right. it's a fine line, but you know, for you to survive and keep going to that next level, you have to find that new talent and push them hard. Absolutely. I mean, you you can't keep rolling out Goldberg every time you need a big hit. And NHRA rolls out their versions of Goldberg too many times. And we have young talent. I mean, I'm just going to go right now and say Matt Hagen right from the jump. Um, you, the comfortability that you you see with him now, he, you're really starting to see his personality shine through um, with TSR. Um, he's super comfortable. He said there's no drama in his life right now, and it shows, man. And those are the type of people. Look at Justin Ashley. Look at what he's doing um, on the track, off the track. He's very well polished, very well spoken, um, does everything the right way. Josh Hart. I mean, there's plenty of people here. We don't have to. We love them. Of course, we love them. But 
at the end of the day, the sport has to move forward. It's the same the NFL. I mean, they love they love their uh, their their veteran guys, their former staples uh, of the Shield, but they're promoting these new faces of the Shield as as well to now because you know what? You're not going to draw the young kids in with continuing to roll out people that they don't know. Hence, case in point, and I'll use this whole thing with the Washington Commanders as an example. People are mad, and most of them are my age group or older, about where the direction is going. I don't care for it. Uh, I'm done. But at the end of the day, they are not catering to those people that saw Mark Rippon win a Super Bowl. They're catering to people who are 21, 22, 23, 24 years old mm-hmm. that are coming up. The the babies, they're catering to them. They don't care about the older people <laughs> because that's not what's going to get you money down the road. That's not going to sell future season tickets. Exactly. So it's the same thing here. You're not going to sell future future season tickets. You're not going to have a new crop of fan base if we're not promoting. I mean, you have a person that's pushing towards greatness and who is young and being her own, having her own shrine at some point in Erica Enders. You should be doing more with that. But we also have young talent the double A's Stanfields, all, all these people that also need to be pushed just as much, but take advantage of those things. We mm. can't keep living in the past because you know what? These people who are 20 to 25 or even somewhat in the thirties don't know who these people are. Exactly. You know, when I think of drag racing nowadays compared to let's say, the early 2000s. And I think, I mean, you can still kind of make that comparison. You don't have, I want to say the average age of a driver right now is probably late forties, maybe early fifties. Cause you can only count on your hand, you know, yeah. a handful of people <laughs> under 20. And I understand, you know, it's you, it takes money, sponsorship and hustle. Justin Ashley is a perfect example of a kid who uh, is an absolute grinder, hustler. He's got that football mentality. Great dude on and off the track. Um, And it's tough. Everyone thinks that, you know, I just jump in a race car. It's like, no, you don't understand what it takes to be behind this. And, you know, not only that, you have to be a personality. People know when people are boring. But if we look back at Houston this past weekend, you have two and Cameron Caruso and Bobby Bodie that, you know, showed they're, you know, they're in great equipment. Even Bobby Bodie's their equipment has gotten better throughout the years. And oh, yeah. Tim Wilkerson's help um, and proved this weekend that, Hey, this is a next crop of stars. Even though you have the Erica's the mats, they're kind of in that tweener stage where Matt's been around for, you know, He's been around for a hot second. You know, there should be some young kids coming up and and, and fighting kind of the way that the Hagans are to like a cruise and a force. Right. So this is your opportunity now, like we've been saying, to to push those young cats, finding those rivalries. And I think we kind of found some of that this weekend, uh, especially in the pro stock category. 
Um, but then also, if I look at funny cars, so the final, obviously, Bobby Bodie, Matt Hagen. Um, Bodie has the jump. Bodie's out the first eighth mile of the track. Car's going out there, putting holes out, spinning. It's race day. Ain't get a lift. Blow the body off. He gets out and, you know, he throws the gloves, throws the helmet, throws the hands. You know, he's a 20-year-old kid. Show some emotion. And then you just read the comments and the crap of, oh, he's childish. Oh, he's like last last I checked, you never walked away from any nitro funny car explosion. You just you're you just wrecked your family's race car, or you just blew up your family's race car trying to win. Right. You know, it's your first win, you're 20 year olds. That's called competition. Like Tony, like Tony Stewart said, you know, I love guys that are fiery that want to win like that. And I think Wes Buck had a great post of, or, or Brian Loans had a great post of, you know, kind of like these old timers. Oh, we, we praise the guys who used to, you know, like the, the debauchery of jungle Jim and the guys who used to run drugs in there. And we used to call those our heroes and a kid throws his gloves after he loses and wrecks his car. And he's a, he's a spoiled problem child. Yeah. Like, no, that's, that's competition. It's like, People want drivers to be people, but but don't you dare act out of line. Don't don't you dare comment back or act act all crazy. Yeah, and, and I don't think I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you know, I don't think the NHRA does a good job of allowing them to be people. We got this. We you know you want your cake and eat it too. It's like okay, we want to. You're trying to be. I don't. You try. You want. You want a PG deal, and then you want. Mr. Roboto, but it's okay for you to go and have broadcast to manufacture some fake rivalry on comments and you want to try to distort things to try to get things going. You could have it naturally if you just let them be who they are. I'm not saying you got to be cussing people out and we don't need to get into fisticuffs, but I mean we I mean look, look at look at Steve Johnson and Matt uh Smith this weekend my man went over there when he had the trophy and matt went by he looked right at him and you know no who knows what was said but there was some trash talking going on and he was gloating right in his face matt just looked over and smiled that's what i want to see that's realness we don't need this mr Roboto made up stuff that's not going to ever work and it's never going to catch fire at all mm. there's a you don't have to govern these guys you know, they know they have a set of rules, you know, obviously in the heat of battle, there's going to be some F bombs and there might be, <laughs> there might be a few cuss words flown out there. Uh, but at the end of the day, let them be people and let the rivalries be natural because I'm telling you, everybody out there between classes don't like each other. Okay. Yeah. And that's okay. For sure. For sure. And like, I was, I always think that, you know, a lot of people are so wor sponsorship worried and or sponsorship hand tied that they don't want to say the wrong thing. You know, if you're a Steve Torrance and you're not sponsored by anything and you're floating the bill and you can say whatever you, you want, exactly. there's, there's not a lot of teams like that. But that doesn't mean, you know, you can't express how you feel. You have to do the John Force, you know, you know 
tag all the sponsors that like it's to see that old man fired up like him getting to Hagen's face, the cruise Sean Langdon thing. Like, yes. you know, let those guys, that's, that's part of the action. Um, I will say one thing that I feel like when I go to the track, when I'm at the track, it's like, you know, qualifying Friday, Saturday, you know, on track, out of the track, you know, we're all, we're all there having fun, you know, take care of each other Sunday come race day. If it's your boys against my boys, we're trying to F you up. That's a hundred percent. You're trying to take food off of my plate. I'm trying to take food off of yours. My two month old son needs now needs a college fund. So I'm trying to come get that money and yeah, it's going to get heated, but you know, there's a certain team out there and you, we talked, we talked about it last night that, you know, you want to take it personal. You want to take it back into the pits and do some, and you know, do some off camber things like that's Bush league. And it puts you out in your own space. Um, and you run into the wrong team. You should get dealt with. Like you, you want to be a track bully. Everybody, everybody wants to be the bully until the bully gets stepped on. Exactly. Um, and you run into the wrong team. Like a perfect example. Everybody wants to to mess with John Force. I wouldn't say mess with, but you know why nobody retaliates to Force? Because John will throw hands at the drop of a hat. <laughs> Everybody forgets that John's a fight. John is a scrapper. Like if you wanted to go into a dark alley and needed somebody, John Force is your dude, not Matt Hagen. John Force would be, these hands. Yeah, John Force <laughs> would be that Motor City Dan Campbell biting kneecaps off. I'll tell you that, man. He's he's a scrapper through and through. He um, is. But you know the rivalries that we got and, and fans just, you know, enjoy, enjoy people being people. Like yes. I hate it when I hate it when Cruz rambles through the, the, the sponsorship list. Like I tell him all the time, just, you know, switch it up, man. Do just tell nobody and do an interview in Spanish just for the Hispanic people. Like, yes, just that would be fire. Like, don't even answer the question. Talk about the Raiders or something like, you know, I, sometimes we have points that we have to make in certain positions, but have fun. We can't do this stuff forever. So right. Just have fun with it. And it's great when he go. it's great when he's, he's fired up and it's not about the sponsors. Oh, it's, it's great interviews. Boy, it's great interviews. It's a, it's a reaction first think later. And then it's <laughs> a, it's a laugh on the way back. And then he lets me know what he says. And I'm like, Oh no. And then I just get the blast of text messages and, all the fun times, but you know what? I'm usually the first one after I hear it because I'm I'm over here just dying laughing. Uh, just it's like, great uh, stuff, man. It's great stuff. There's been so many times where it's just like uh, the first Epping incident with Sean. I forgot. Somebody just told me, did you hear what Cruz said on the top end? I said, no. And then it's just like the barrage. <laughs> I thought, oh, man, this is going to be good. <laughs> So that was a that was oh, a fun man. couple of weeks, but That's awesome, you know. So NHRA Charlotte this weekend, um, another four wide event, kind of a spectacle. That's I don't want to say run its course, but you need those two. They need to be spaced things. out further. They're too close. <sighs> I I agree. They are spaced, too close. They because are. It, Charlotte lost its luster. Uh, you know, you got Vegas, and now because Vegas is so close. Either one, could, you know, Vegas is going to come first, so that's going to be the hot one. And mm -hmm. then if anybody was ever going to travel to Charlotte, which you should, it is one of the Taj Mahal's drag strips. 
but it loses its luster. If you had it further down the road, you know, people would be hungry for it again. It's mm. just too early. Mm. No, I definitely agree with that. So, you know, maybe I know NHRA is working on a couple things that we hope that kind of change the game. A lot of things that they're, they've been late to the game too, that they kind of, I don't know if they don't listen, they don't take advice from, you know, people my age. I know they're trying for not Netflix, but a certain show probably because the F1 thing caught fire, the trading card deal. If you still think about it, we are still the, like the only national sports league that does not have a trading card deal. I mean, hell jackass has their own boxes of trading cards now. And I, I, another thing to help the sport that helps young kids know who these people are, helps the sport, helps younger drivers, helps the, like you want to know, not just who the drivers are, who's, who's Ryan Elliott on Cruz Petrogon's team. Who I know who he is, but who, yeah, the average person does not. Super, super hardcore fan. Who's who's Greg Lynn on Justin Ashley's team? Like, yes, you, you need these different avenues to where it's not just about the cars. It's about the people who drive it. It's the people who work on it and spend the hours all day, all night, 215 days a year working on this thing, slaving and grinding that you don't know the guys on our team who have spent 25 years doing this. Yeah. You just see yeah. the hotshot crew chief and the driver, and that's all yeah, you know. Exactly. That's all the, you know. At least the, even the offensive linemen get some TV time. It's like those boys are the offensive linemen, boys and girls are the offensive linemen uh, of the car, and, you know, they don't get nothing. <laughs> so that's where, that's where you need a guy like John Madden. So John Madden loved offensive linemen because he was an offensive lineman. Exactly. Or, you know, Brian and Tony are great. Why not add a Lee Beard to that mix or a, some sort of former crew chief or crew member that can really get down and into it? Who knows these guys? You exactly. know, it doesn't have to be, you know, a Hall of Famer, a guy, you know, no, no disrespect to Lee, but not Lee's age, but maybe some guy who had, you know, done it for 10, 15 years and know the guys out there. Right. You know, we're, we're trying to get into it speaking of just random thought off the top of my head did you know bruno massel played college football at iowa what yeah i had no idea yeah i knew he because he you know he's ginormous and super jacked but yes, yeah he, he <laughs> i did notice that it was he played either linebacker or safety at uh at the university of iowa wow yeah that's pretty dope it is so Let's transition from NHRA. Let's go start talking about football. So spring football is back in our lives. You know, hiatus for a couple of years. The USFL's back first time since 1985. Um, I love football. I can never get enough football. Me too. Now, every spring league's going to have their issues. And you see a lot of the, you know, former NFL guys, the top tier NFL guys, not be a fan of the spring league. Why? Because if these guys can't, you know, cut the roster in the big time, what would make you think that you want to see these guys get a second, third, fourth chance if they're the backups to the eighth stringers? <laughs> you know, the toughest thing, like I love the USFL. I love the XFL. I love the, the what was it, the UFL, 
and the uh, yeah the UFL, which was yeah. five years ago or something. They're all going to have the same problem, and that is quarterback play. If you don't have a good quarterback that can sling the rock and just throws picks and turnovers, it's a tough watch. It is. It is. I also think too, um, you know, they got to stop going. They got to stop going to the well. Uh, you know, to some of these go-to individuals because you're. And I think this year will tell it all um, because now you're going to start having a. Every quarterback in college is not gonna not gonna make an NFL roster. So now you're gonna have a little bit more of a, you know a pool to choose from. Uh, XFL will have a pool to choose from. But I also think if they have more time uh, in these leagues, uh, they will be able to refine things a little bit more. And, and here's why I say this: the NFL suffers from two deficiencies: offensive line and backup quarterback play. People don't give a crap about it until your starting quarterback is out of here and you got Jabroni Biscuit, who was holding a clipboard all this time, come in and he's like, yep, uh, we're not winning with this guy. Uh, you, yeah. you name me one, you name me, you can't name me five teams that have a solid backup that can come in and win them more than three ball games. Some yep. of them can't even win one. Nope. It's bad. And that destroys people wanting to, because what happens when this, that team is on a Sunday night primetime game or a Monday night primetime game? It is ugly. I, yeah. I mean, you better hope you have Peyton and, uh, and Eli talking on, on uh, Monday night football for that game because it's not worth watching. No, it, it, it's like, you know, Curtis Painter was, thrust in for the Colts and we won one game. Um, you, you're right. You look at the backups throughout the league, you know, there's not very many of them. And there's dudes who are in the NFL or who are backups and perennial backups, a chase yes. Daniels, who I can't believe is still in the NFL Colt McCoy, okay. who is still in the NFL gets out there and, you know, they can't sling the rock. Matt Barkley's still in the NFL. I got graduated the same year I did from high school. Exactly. If he's in the league, I should be in the league. So, you know, looking at the USFL, there's got to be better talent than what you find. You're telling me Paxton Lynch is the best guy you could find? I know he's a former first-round pick, but did anybody see him as an actual first-round pick I'm when he got drafted? You, I'm telling you. It, it, it wasn't good then. It wasn't good now. And I, I, what I think happened was they went and said, hey, these are guys that have actually played uh, football recently. Um, we only have a short period of time to to put together uh, offenses and game plans to get the league started. So let's go and get these guys that have been there and at least have played in some type of football recently. Um, like I said, thinking the next year we're going to see a nice. We should see a nice little rotation of some new uh, young quarterbacks that maybe just didn't have enough uh, seasoning mm. to be in the league and couldn't really, you know, teams couldn't really afford to say, Hey, I'm going to get rid of this backup. That's been on my roster since God knows when to, for that guy, they come in here, they get a chance to season themselves up and then maybe uh, they get an opportunity to uh, back up someone uh, in, in the NFL. They have to do it. The same thing with offensive linemen. Um, you know, this, this whole thing, you got 
there's certain positions that if tackles, <laughs> if a guy goes down, dude, your quarterback, you you might you either want to tighten that offense up, or it ain't gonna be but a matter of time, and your quarterback's gonna be uh, either tapping or he's gonna be out of there on a car. Andrew Luck. Yep, it's not good. So I think this these leagues, th- this is something that's been needed to be done. Now I don't understand. I don't know the parameters of XFL's joint partnership or partnership with the NFL and how much of a partnership that is. But either way, these two leagues are going to be fantastic for starting to season talent so you can have a more well-rounded roster instead of watching your starter offensive lineman go down and then it's, uh uh-oh, what are we going to do? Because we have nobody else on this roster that can actually play tackle for 10 games, 9 games, 8 games. You're not getting to the playoffs like that. And uh, I think it would improve the quality of the NFL. It gives us more football to watch, analyze, and enjoy. Now, I, we're not saying at all that there's not good players in the USFL. I can pick two or three guys on each team that I think would be great additions to any NFL roster for camp. Indeed. I mean, the, the Bandits have a great running back, uh, number seven. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Uh, the Breakers had a the wide receiver this weekend who was just making one-handed catches. Yes. They they have there's some six five wide receivers that you know can play some ball and you, there are some guys you know who didn't get their opportunity whether because of an injury or just you know like we've said timing isn't right but you know there are some good players in this league and you know they only had three weeks to prepare to get everything ready like eh, will it be better next year we we hope we always hope I mean last year what was the the uh, AFL or UFL one one league that only made it like halfway through the season before it shut down. It was the um, it was the Alliance Football League. The Alliance Football League. Um, so my only concern is with the XFL coming in next year, does that water down the product of the USFL or does it water down the product of both? And I think, like you said, it kind of depends on what this you know partnership with the NFL. Or I think they were trying to work with the CFL or something like that. Right. Um, you know, not too much football is not a bad thing, but over, you know, watered down product is. Yeah, it is. And like you said, right now, um, you know, you have an issue at quarterback with quarterback play. So if they have an issue with quarterback play, now think about it. They do have an entire year. They'll have some guys out of this draft that maybe didn't get picked up or some people that will be dropped that they'll have to pick from. Mm -hmm. But again, if we're talking about guys being dropped from the NFL, I mean, these are the same quarterbacks that can't go in here and throw a a five yard out (laughs) without it getting picked off and run back for six. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, that's that is the thing uh, I think, and i'm wondering how that's going to work as well the other big thing that they're lacking is you know we got to remember that there's only allowed 38 or 39 active players in the usfl on each roster so it's not a full 53 like the nfl is so this requires them to their kickers also have to be their punters and there's a reason why in the nfl there are kickers and then there are punters there are different yes. specialties and you're seeing that with so many missed extra points so many, you know, doing field goals, so many bad punts, and right. that's not a great look. Um, it's not. It, it's like 
I want to watch it and I force myself to watch it. There are some games that are really good. You know, the bandits breakers game this past week. Yes. Very good to watch. But then there are other games like uh, the Pittsburgh team. They're just so bad that it's a, a bad high school team. You know what I think too, though? Like, I'm sorry, but Jeff Fisher and, and you, you know, I see the, the, um, Wade Phillips is a little bit different. At least he was some good before he got out of the NFL. But mm-hmm. I, I'm tired of seeing retreads. Like, why don't we get Haley's pass? Yeah, why don't we see uh, young coaches that maybe didn't get an opportunity or position coaches that maybe need a little bit more seasoning? Yeah. I, I don't want to hear about the interview process, but give them an opportunity to lead and and. Let them do it. I'm tired of seeing people that could, coaches that couldn't cut it in the NFL come here because you know what? Their product looks the same. Yeah. Look at Jeff Fisher's team. <laughs> Five hundred trash. Apart. Trash. Yeah. Can't can't get all can't can't get, can't even get out of their own way. And you got other coaches like you know uh, the Gramblers are doing pretty good. The Breakers are doing good. Um, you know that that are really showing out. Um, in in uh, you know the Stallions. They're really showing out and doing a good job, innovative, being different. And, and and a lot of those coaches are you you think they were playing in the league and they had their job on the line the way they're playing so conservative. I mean, it's the USFL. You got three points to be able to get extra points. Look, man, I'd be going for stuff like that. What yeah. are we doing? You're not going for it on fourth down. What are you protecting? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, come on, man. And if I'm a player who's trying to – let's be honest. Let's be honest. They're probably making, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year plan. They're not making big time money. Right. Your, your goal is to get game film. And if, if, like you said, if, if we have a an opportunity to get three points on a, a, a try, why are we not running trick plays? Why are we not putting the ball in my hands? Let me let me go razzle exactly. dazzle some stuff so I can be the next Taylor Heineke and get paid in the NFL. Exactly. Exactly. I so don't I understand think, it. You know, there's a there's a it's got a long way to go and it's not going to be people's cup of tea, you know, for hardcore football fans. Right. They'll always be there. It's like hardcore drag racing fans. They'll always watch it. But, you know, the product has to get better. And yeah, if you're going to keep it, it has to get better. Um, My question is, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're playing in Birmingham. All of the games UAB. Yeah. Will they be, Will that be a thing, or will this next season they will actually have a travel? I think the goal was for the next season to have the travel because it was put together so late and, yeah. you know, timing. And this and was smart, though. This was – I think it's smart. Absolutely. Keep everything central. It cuts. It keeps your costs down. It, it, it really does avoid what happened. Now, don't get me wrong. COVID really hurt. Uh, the Alliance Football League because I thought that their product was really good as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some really good ideas. Um, the fan interaction with the app, all that stuff was really cool. I think COVID hurt them, but it probably would have helped them as well if they did what USFL is doing and playing centralized for a little bit and then the next season broadening out. No, I, I think that's a great idea. Um yeah, well, what the USFL is doing right now is keeping everything in Birmingham located. You know, yeah, does it look bad on TV with nobody in the stands for some games? And then, like, the night games are obviously not full, 
But I mean, the first game of the season, the stands looked pretty packed. It did 3.5 million viewers. Yes. So it's not like people aren't like trying to watch. If tickets are 10 bucks and I'm in the Birmingham area, uh, I'm buying game tickets all day. Um, and it's very clear that Birmingham uh, loves their team. Uh, oh, yeah. When they play, when the Stallions come out, when the Stallions play, that, and it's their game, that's that, that stadium was pretty uh pretty loaded i mean it wasn't packed but they had a a good group of fans that come out every time the stallions play i think another smart thing they're doing is kind of this hard knocks ish type tv show um kind of behind the scenes i think if you're not uh if you're not what's it called call it a promotion call it you know, people always want to see the inside, the inside of the NFL, nope. the inside of the draft room, the inside of drag racing, a Formula One, the, get behind the curtain and see that people yearn for that stuff. You got to make that content and USFL putting that stuff out. That helps. That yeah. helps. Even though the guy's getting cut over, you know, a piece of pizza instead of a salad, like, <laughs> yeah. guess what? <laughs> Everybody was talking about it. It's all over Twitter. It's, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-mm. No matter what, happens. ask Jerry Jones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's switch topics for the final topic of the night. Let's talk the NFL draft. It is NFL draft week. Starts Thursday. It was round one. Um, Friday is two through four. And, yeah, and then Saturday's uh, five through seven. Um, so we heard all all year about the talent in this draft class has been kind of almost subpar medium level. Wouldn't say big, big names, but it feels like over the last month, I don't know if you felt it, but it seems like this draft class has been elevated. I don't know if people are are (laughs) hiding talent, trying to trying to, you know, throw some smoke screens or whatever, but you know, it it seems like out of nowhere, now we're going to have, you know, six quarterbacks in the first round when everybody was saying during the (laughs) beginning of the college football season, there's not a good quarterback in this draft. Exactly. It's wild to me. Um, I, I, you know, I'm a senior bowl guy. um, And I thought Malik Willis did a decent job of, you know, I always think if, if you're a player, that's the, that's the, that's the game you want to play in. Um, It seems like guys who go through the senior bowl, always end up elevating your draft status it is the you know from it's some of the biggest names are out there drew rosenhouses of the world that you know you have coaches out there uh people come out of the way to come see the practices in the game um and and i feel like those individuals always seem to take their stock you didn't even know the guy um and then next thing you know you know we're talking about him being in the first two rounds um, it's going to be interesting though. I do believe, I do agree with you. It's like, uh, and I still feel that way. I don't think there's no, sh- no, there's not a sure handed quarterback that can start week one, but they're going to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to draft do somebody it. that high. You have to put them in. Yeah. I, 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 I really wish if, especially if you don't have a guy ahead of him, likely the guy you're bringing in is better than the guy you have ahead of him. But I'm just like, come on, man. Sometimes we got to let these guys get an opportunity. We put too much stock in in where they're drafted. And, and then I guess 
you know, especially with the pay scale now, it's not like you're giving them, uh, you know, any type of big time dollars. Uh, they're not getting Sam Bradford money. So Marcus Russell money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, you can afford to kind of let things, uh, you know, marinate a little bit yeah. and let them get their feet wet, especially a lot of these teams they get drafted to, you know, they're, they're getting stuck out there to get their butts whipped. I mean, look at what they did to Sam Darnold. Oh, look, you look, good at jo- now. look at Josh Rosen. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> he went, he went from being someone capable of being a longtime starter and they ruined him to, and it's, I don't believe it's his fault. It's just no. the, the, the shitty situations he got stuck into. Yes. He was on a terrible Arizona Cardinals team that had no offensive line. And he was getting mollywhopped week after week after yep. week and gets replaced, you know, because they bring in Kyler Murray and then he gets shoved to the back. And then, you know, he's on six different teams as a backup because, you know, once you fall out of that starter lineup, it's really hard for you to become a starter again. And if you do get that second chance, like let's say a Sam Darnold who go to, goes to Carolina, you know, you look good for one or two weeks and then you revert to your old self. That's, you know, that's enough tape people need to see, which for this draft class is going to be very interesting. We're all thinking that Carolina has to take a quarterback. Now, is it going to be Malik? Is it going to be Kenny? Because Kenny's got the the coaching relationship and the owner relationship as it comes to Pitt. Right. But is he better than Malik? Or do you keep – because it sounds like nobody really wants to take their high draft picks. Everybody wants to keep moving back. Or is that an opportunity where you say, you know what, we're going to go get Baker after the draft? I, I do see Baker moving after the draft. This is my problem with those two quarterbacks. They they each they each have pluses and their opposite pluses and their opposite minuses. Kenny Pickett is probably the most polished out of all of the top five quarterbacks that you're going to take as far as his footwork. Um, you know how he stands in the pocket, delivers the ball, but you can't deny the intangibles that Malik Willis brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if his footwork is as polished as Kenny Pickett's, but I'm also going to put him in the the category of if I feel like I can work with him, he's a Lamar Jackson to me. Pass-wise, his mobility-wise, he has the ability to be a Lamar Jackson. Um, Kenny Pickett, he could be an excellent pocket passer. He also could be a dumpster fire. I mean, it's, it's that, I mean, it's a, it's that, that I think they're blowing up a lot of these, you know, like why is all of a sudden Matt Corral, the guy that I should go get? Haven't you seen his tape? He had some good moments. There's a lot of running involved in what he does. Mm -hmm. He puts his body on the line, but pure passing. There's just two or three guys that are better. I mean, Sam Howell is better than Matt Corral passing wise but this league's about mobility Mm. so you know what do you do i personally don't think there's one obviously there's teams that feel like they have to do something at quarterback uh you know everybody ain't going to be in the baker mayfield uh sweepstakes probably would be the smart deal for carolina um we'll see how smart they really are 
But um, I, I don't think there's a quarterback that if I'm in the top 10, even in the top five, I don't think that's a smart move to pick a quarterback because I don't think those quarterbacks are good enough to go in the top half of the top 10 of the draft. And I'll even go as far as probably top 15. I just don't, all those guys don't, you know, they trying to say Willis Pickett, corral. And then you got some people think Ritter uh, also like no way, maybe one or two, but the rest of those guys are second and third round picks in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think even, so what, what are your thoughts on this? There's a lot of talk that the lions might sneak out of nowhere and, and pick up Malik at the number two overall pick. Um, that obviously throws Jared golf out of the, equa- I don't not out of the equation. I bet he would play for half the year and then you, you let Malik, you know, go in. Um, do you, do you feel like that's going to happen? Or you think that that's some sort of ploy? I want to, man, I want to say that we, we always want to think that Detroit is smaller, smarter than that, but Detroit Lions do Detroit Lion things. Yeah. And, but, yeah. I, and I will say this though, they have a young, a lot of young, talented wide receivers. If they can get, I mean, Golf has done a decent, he, you know, he's done Jared Golf like things that you know uh, Sean McVay got rid of him for, but he's moved this offense. But they're still, they have to sure up things. A lot of their losses defensively don't come together. Um, then you put it all on golf's back and he does golf things in pressure moments and throws the ill-advised pick in when you're marching down the field and you're right there to seize the game or they have the inexplainable fumble. Does a guy like Malik Willis going to change that when you really need to have more depth on the defensive side of the ball so that in key situations, you can stop somebody. Mm. I mean, I think that I think a lot of it is they have a good pick. They likely could bait someone to come up and because there's other people that need quarterbacks to come up and, and get a pick and then spend a lot of draft capital to give them. They could gain more picks to build out their roster and they still could get a capable quarterback that I think could you you bring him up right and train him up right. He could be better than golf. Mm. But I think they're pro. I think there's a very. I, I'd lean more towards them taking Willis than not, because it's the Detroit Lions. So uh, that's also, you know, Detroit Lions do Detroit Lion things. Jacksonville <laughs> Jaguars also do Jacksonville Jaguar things. Like, are the, is Adrian Hutchinson the guy that you need? He might be the best player on the board, but is that the guy that you need? See, there's a fine line. Some people, there's a fine line. There's some people that think that that best available is the way to draft, but I, I don't, I don't think that's always the case. And I don't really think that that's a, that's not an area that they need. They, you know, <laughs> but again, they paid Christian Kirk like, <laughs> like, like he was Debo Samuel yeah. or somebody, like. Uh, they're going to find out quick. I, I think, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Zay Jones is 
going to be better than Christian Kirk. He's a street man. That's what he does. Yeah. He, he, he ain't going to do anything inside them, inside 15, 10 yards. He ain't doing nothing inside the middle of the field. He's going to streak down the field. That's what he does. You paid a, you paid a streaker. I, 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 I think they'll still go and try to draft best available and not focus on getting more bang for your buck and rounding this team out. Because at the end of the day, you have to find out what you have at quarterback. And you're not going to help him if all aspects are sound. You know what I mean? He yeah. can't have what they had last year. Well, he made it through the soap opera and the drama. Now you have you have a you have a legit NFL coach now backing you. Uh, you know, you'll be around a real what a real NFL team should be. Now the Jaguars have holes, you know, not only in their team, I think the general manager is one of the worst in the league. I one hundred percent agree. So that's to me, that's tough. Like, is Adrian Hutchinson a great player? Absolutely. Yes. But are we drafting need or are we drafting best available? Why not? If I have the first round pick or if I have the first overall pick, can I trade back? Can I get more picks? Because think about how the depth of this draft in offensive line, wide receivers and defensive line is massive. The running backs, quarterbacks, skill ish type players, maybe not so much, but you know, wide receivers and offensive linemen, you can always use those, especially exactly. if you have, you know, Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback. Tell me you can't use a couple more guards and a tackle. Because you know? don't put your eggs in that uh, Brandon Sheriff basket. Yeah. He can't yeah. stay healthy. You paid no. him, and, and he's a great player. But there's a reason why Washington didn't pay him. Mm. Mm -hmm. he, he can't stay on the field. Go, yeah. look, go look at how many games he played. Go, I, I encourage – Jaguars fans to go look that up. He didn't stay on the field very much. Mm -hmm. So you're you think he's gonna come to Florida and that's all of a sudden gonna change? Yeah, the Jags are are notorious for taking guys number two, number three type guys and giving them big contracts. You never hear from them again. You've I yep. let me think who I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I know there's been a couple Colts guys that have gone there. Well, even like, you know, we've talked in the past, you know, when Pierre Garçon went from the Colts to, to the Redskins, he's a 50-50 guy. He will yep. catch half the balls, and there will be amazing catches. But the easiest catches, he looks like Darius Hayward Bay. Yes. Just, just dropping random, random-ass passes. And he had the most obscure fumbles. He was aggressive, and he, he, he mushed you. <laughs> he mushed your face. But sometimes he mushed your face. And the bread would come out of his hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if try and think about the draft as a whole, is there one player who you are kind of intrigued on following their career or your kind of sleeper for the pick? I have, I have three. Mm. Uh, so, uh, Zion Johnson, the guard from Boston College. Yep. Uh, really improved his draft stock uh, in the senior bowl. Um, he's got great height, you know, solid. I think he'd be solid in the league. He's got great technique. Um, he really showed that in senior bowl practices. Um, 
I also like uh, that cornerback, uh, Roger McCrary, uh, the cornerback from um, Auburn. Uh, I like him as well. He's very aggressive, does great job in press man. And uh, my sleeper, he has my last name uh, from Fresno State, Deron Bland. I like that dude. I think he can think he can play corner. Um, he's got some refining to do. But he's, if anything, he definitely can come in and play very well for you in special teams. Yes. Um, and, and he can be a guy who can play, be a nickel corner um, because he's, he's an opportunistic type of guy. If you watched his tape, um, the guy had some picks and had some really good picks. Um, you know, hips don't flow like they should, and he has an issue with kind of recovering after getting beat, but he's physical. And I usually am never wrong with guys who aren't afraid to get scrappy and get their hands on a guy and get physical. Mm-hmm. And uh, Deron Bland is like my really big sleeper outside of the fact that he has my last name. <laughs> so I'm really focused <laughs> on, and I hope that the Colts can get him maybe mid to late round two is Sky Moore wide receiver out of Western Michigan. I think he's a great, you know, 5'11 receiver did 1,200 yards uh, with 10 touchdowns. I think the lar- longest was 75 yards. Speedy little receiver, kind of a Cooper Cup-esque guy. Now, I would love to add him to our roster, but I still think the Colts need to find a big play receiver. I, Knowing Chris Ballard's uh, style, he's going to take the guys that he's drafted in the past and try to move them up. Um there are some guys like a Paris Campbell who I'm, I can't wait to get rid of because he's just injury prone. <laughs> yeah. um, offensive line, uh, tackle from Arizona State. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, he he looks good to me. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. I should have wrote his name down, but that's exactly who I want. Is it Kellen? Uh, I can't. Yeah. Daesh or Daesh Kellen. I know you're talking about. Ooh, George Pitt. George, James Prather always talking about, you know, the Georgia Bulldogs. George Pitt. I think Georgia's going to have a great NFL draft. I'll tell you that. They will. Now, and, I, and I've, I've, I've talked to, to James about this. Um, there are some guys that have, uh, some red flags with some teams. Now they do. I don't see so so <laughs> normally I can pick out when a guy's drafted if he's going to be good or not. Right. The biggest catch that I ever saw that the one of the most hype guys that turned out to be a bust and I said draft night as soon as he got on stage, absolute draft or absolute bust. Donna Terry Poe. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he was drafted 12th overall. I, I want to say he was 12th overall. I think so. And had a subpar career, like didn't work hard and not who else? Um, who else? Uh, is either drafted to the Dolphins. He didn't even make it to the first like three games of the season before he was kicked off the team and then became a rapper 
Like, how do you get drafted in the very first round and you don't even make <laughs> the first three games of the season? Yeah, that tells you that your management is horrible. Like, your general what manager. Are, is what are your horrible. scouts looking at? Like, are so <laughs> I don't see. I'll ask you. Do you see any future busts in this draft? Let's say early on, like the first one or two rounds. I, I can tell you. Um, I think there is. It, it's very scary to think of. Uh, some of these players that, especially at, at quarterback, um, and I, I hear a lot of talk with Ritter and um, Corral. I don't see Corral working out. I don't. He reminds me, he reminds me of a Marcus Mariota a little bit. Mm. And the reason why I say that is there is a lot of running in his career. I mean, um, they did a good job of scheming up things. <laughs> oh, man, they did a good job of scheming up things uh, for him to to get him to, to, you know, get the ball where it needed to be. And he has the ability to throw the ball. But in this league, does that work? We've seen these type of guys come in and come come in and and have that type of ability and it never works out why because defenses are a lot faster and they close they close the gap quickly and yeah. i don't see yeah. him working out yeah you're, you're you're not you're not in college anymore you're not playing against kids you're playing against grown-ass men who this is what <laughs> yeah. they do for a living not yeah. focus on class focus on football now i'll sh- i'll stick with what james said I'll go on the record here and say that Hutchinson will be a bust. And I'll tell you my reason. He's overinflated for sure. He's overinflated. And they're comparing him that he's better than the Bosa brothers. Well, look at the Bosa brothers. I don't see any of them as top tier guys right now. Nick had a good one or two years. Joey, we haven't heard from in a couple years. Here's the problem with defensive ends. You run into great, let's say, let's say he's playing, you know, a strong side where he's going to play against the left tackle every single down you're going to run into some great big time left tackles. And unless you're, you know, Dwight Freeney, like you better come with something not, and he's not like, congrats. You have, you have a bull rush long arm and maybe some swim moves, but I don't think you have the speed and power yet. Will he be a decent player in the NFL? Only time will tell. Will we still be talking about him five, six years from now? Man, I haven't heard anybody mention Joey Bosa's name except when he got that contract that I don't believe he's deserved. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, and James is right. He was a no-show for the UGA game. Um, and this, like we just said, this is the NFL. If yep. if they think that you're good, you're not going to get a one-on-one. You're going to get a tight end chip. You're going to get a running back out of the back to chip you too. Can you defeat those? Now – can you do what that number one overall pick says, which says you're the best player in college football? Can you defeat all this game planning against you, right? And still produce? And if not, to me, you're robust. See, you know, I, I'm going to say first of all, with my Chargers, watch, watch Cleo Mack have more than Bosa. Just saying. Mm. Um, mm. I'm also going to go out and say. He reminds me that it's the same hype, the same type of talk that we saw 
and we're seeing with Chase Young. Chase Young got one more year for me. Ooh, ooh. Chase Young got one more year for me. He got injured, so he gets a little bit of a mulligan. But this year, I need to see what they drafted you for. See, this is what Hutchison, this is the same reason why they're looking at him as number one. Supposedly can do all of those things. I'm going to need you to show up and show out this year. There's mm-hmm. no excuses. And if you don't, then maybe you weren't worth the pick that they were, they gave up to pick you with. I don't, you know what I mean? Because honestly, he hasn't showed that. And I know a lot of people want to make excuses about why, but he hasn't shown that. Uh, there's other guys that have been on that defense like Montez Sweat that have been way more dominant than him. He, mm. he does the Bruce Smith a lot. Way up the field past the quarterback, and he's running back towards the quarterback. By that time, the quarterback is 5, 10 yards up the field, first down. Can't get off the field on third down because you're 10 yards behind the quarterback rushing, and they're pushing you right out of the play. Yeah. Hutchinson could be that guy because that, again, like you said, this ain't college anymore. These are grown men. They, 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 they will bottle all that little – moves that they see every week right up i thought it was pretty interesting so how his draft stock kind of improved and kind of like james has said in the comments that you know he didn't really produce in the playoff games you know he can congrats you you had a really great ohio state game ohio state you know wasn't the the greatest year of of all time for them um i'll tell you who i think this situation reminds me of is Mario Williams. Like Mario Williams coming out of nowhere to that number one spot. And was he a good player for a couple years? Yes. But then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. Then you have the, 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 the Jadavion Clowney ask, you know, one, one big hit for Jadavion Clowney pushed him up the draft stock. Was he a crazy, was he a freakish athlete? Absolutely. But is he, you know, the number one pick that you really, really wanted to invest your franchise in, you know, he, he played again, played opposite side of a, of a hurt. Most of the time, JJ Watt who outproduced him. Right. Now I ask you this sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley jr. Derek Stingley jr. Me too. I think he's way more of a well-rounded player can come up, uh, kind of like, um, uh geez, what's his name? Um Landon Collins mm. play inside and make tackles, but he actually can cover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I I like I like him a lot. I think he I even think that that I I I, I really think Washington should go with wide receiver. And if Wilson is there, they probably should pick him. But um if uh, Stingley is a very, very close one, is really a 1B for me, 1A, 1B yeah. type thing. Um, you can never go wrong with having a guy who can lock down a lock down out there, especially if you have the front four that can handle it and can really shorten things up. For sure. You think about this day and age in the NFL, and uh, 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 what's his name? Darius Butler had a great comment that, you know, nowadays you need four lockdown guys in your back seven. So, you know, you have to have two corners that can play man-to-man. You have to have a safety that – two safeties that basically can walk up and play man-to-man if needed because if you're blitzing 
and your guys can't cover one-on-one. And I've seen this, you know, for the past five years with the Colts, like you could blitz, you have the raucous scenes who couldn't cover man to man. You know, yeah. we had uh, Xavier Rhodes who was good at times. I even go back to Vontae Davis, like Vontae yeah. Davis was, was, you know, supposedly a great cornerback. That dude couldn't cover one-on-one. Now it's going to be interesting to see what Stefan Gilmore brings to the table. Cause you know, all in all, he thinks he's the best player of the NFL. He thinks he's the best cornerback. That'll be interesting to see. Didn't really get a long shot with with Carolina, but he produced with with the Patriots. So, is he worth the two with the two years, twenty four million? You know, time will tell. Right. He, he's getting put into a great defensive situation with you know Rodney McLeod playing safety now. The Colts have Kenny Moore on one side, yes. Justin Blackman coming off of an injury. Um, you still have Darius in the middle. They and, and Buckner, like you have a good defense to play around. That's not the Colts' problem. The Colts' problem is going to say, "Hey, we got rid of Carson Wentz. Now we're going to have old man Matty Ice sling the rock. Don't even sling the rock. Hand it to Jonathan Taylor fifty times a game, exactly. and we're done with that. Hand it to Naheem Hines forty times a game, and just game manage, my man." He's 20, so he can be 27 and 7, just like Carson Wentz, if he does those things. That that is the absolute biggest plus that, that the Colts have is they have one heck of a backfield. And that's gonna make any quarterback that any quarterback like a Matty Ice or or I even say a Carson Wentz that can get the ball down the field and make plays, just don't screw it up. That's all you gotta do. Don't make the ill-advised, what the heck was that, Matt? Why'd you throw that interception? If you the running backs are going to do the job, they're going to wear them down. And you're going to have the ability to go over the top. You're going to have the ability to hit those those, uh, middle seam routes all day long. Things that Matt Ice is good at. So speaking of that, like, you know, or speaking of, you know, that situation there, and especially Carson Wentz going to the commanders, like, is that he's going back to the NFC East? Is it a good situation for him? Obviously, he's got Terry McLaurin, but just like anybody else, like Carson, when he's good, he's good, but he's gonna wince. Like he's gonna do stupid shit once in a while, yep. Yep. and that stupid stuff gets you killed, or not only gets himself killed, but he makes the most boneheaded things that you can't believe a quarterback would do in certain situations. Right. And living and dying on every single play, like where do you rank him in the quarterback situation of the NFC East now? Um, I, I I've never been high on Danny Dimes. I said that you can go back to podcast when he came out of the Senior Bowl. The I, I was never high on him. The Giants are paying for that. Um, I, I think. Carson is third and, and I I'm giving I'm giving Jalen Hurts some leadway uh, I, I really don't think that the Eagles have met or really uh done a good job of playing to his strengths and and growing him at the same time uh, they put him in situations to where he's taking steps back and I don't blame the quarterback in that regard I blame those coaches who are supposed to be coaching up this talent because he's a, we know he's talented. Um, and, and you have to give the nod to, um, Dak Prescott. Um, he's been, 
you know, a really strong staple in that division. Um, he makes all the right plays. A lot of it that a lot of bad things that happen are not on his accord. It's the idiots you call coaches and offensive coordinator, offensive coordinators, but you know, they're only doing a job that Jerry's asking them to do. They're just puppets. So yep. um, it's unfortunate that he's in that situation, but that's the reason why the Dallas Cowboys are able to be where they are is because of Dak Prescott. Now you can talk to Dallas fans and they'll say something different, but we know Dallas fans are Dallas fans and I don't listen to uneducated uh, football people. So um, yeah, I, I say Carson is third and I do think Washington got an upgrade. Um, look, I, I really enjoy Taylor Heineke's uh, moxie, his attitude, his ability to come in and really um, galvanize the team. But he's a, he's a backup. He, he's not a starter. He is a very good backup. And, you know, that's shown they gave him two years um, and, and he did. He did what I thought he would do. Um, and if you got on the upside of that, then, you know, good for you. You know what I mean? You got some uh, bonus stuff, but I think he's a backup. And I really do think they got an upgrade. But again, uh, you know, the 27 and 7 is good. But I, you're also talking about a coach that is doing a good job of managing the offense, mm. uh, running game, all of that. Now, can Washington duplicate that? Because that's what he's going to need. He can't be throwing the ball all over the yard. 35 times a game he's going to throw way more picks than he would in a uh, touchdowns but i think he's definitely an upgrade for a team that really was starving for a true starting quarterback i think they have the wide receivers but i also think you need to draft another wide receiver because those wide receivers outside of terry are unproven guys deami brown uh cam sims we've seen they had you know we can talk about whether they've had a good quarterback or not Bottom line is they haven't produced and they don't uh, they're not one of these guys that are sure in that. Oh, your your position is locked in. Nah, you got to earn that. And I think they should really look at drafting a very quality, mm. you know, wide receiver in this draft. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, NFL draft this Thursday night. First round picks coming at us um, Friday, second through four Saturday, five through seven. Uh want to thank you, Dujanae, for taking the time to do the podcast always once fun. again. We always love having your NFL insight. Um, it's always a great time. Um, if you would, take the next few minutes. Tell them where they can find you on Instagram, on Twitter, and your podcast. Uh, you can always uh, hit me up on Twitter at NotBland21. Follow me there. I love talking shop with everyone. Um, the podcast right there, you see it, the Not Bland Show on Ghostcast. Uh, we talk a lot of NHRA there, uh, really trying to push that forward um, and, you know, give the sport the uh, commentating that it deserves. You can also catch me on the breakdown. Uh, we will be having our first show in a while after the draft. We'll be talking commanders football. We'll be talking about the draft. Uh, and We'll be talking about uh, what to expect in the upcoming season. Um, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and uh, thanks again for having me on. It's uh, been a blast. Absolutely. Got to thank our sponsors like normal, MySlabs, MySlabs.com. Buy and sell your slabbed cards, slabbed comic books, and sealed wax for up to only 1% fees. Quit paying that eBay fees at 12 and 13%. Get up off there. Um, next, got to thank our guys over at 
slab savers, protectyourslabs.com, especially if you have some high card investments like Neil's $43,000 Tom Brady card that he got a couple weeks ago. Holy cow. Yeah. Use code dream three to get 10% off your order. Graded card solutions. If you're shipping those cards through the mail, don't just throw it in an envelope. Make sure that you have good stuff protecting your cards. If you use code DREAM15, you're going to get 15% off your order. And our friends at Nation Golf, join the fellowship, nationgolfco.com. If you love the old-timey classic golf, and keeping that love and alive. Hopefully, Neil will be back with us next Monday. We'll see what happens this draft night. Follow us on Twitter. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the Facebook page. We're on Instagram at Showtime Sports Cards and at Doughboy Sports Cards 1. Until next time, we will see you guys later.